Jerusalem, they're going to mock me, they're going to scourge me, I'm going to be betrayed, the religious leaders are going to have me condemned to death, they're going to give me to the Romans, it's all going to be bad, but I'm going to rise again, and at that moment, James and John, mama, coming up, kneels down and asks you something, and Jesus says, what do you wish? My friends, you know what this teaches us? You and I need to serve no matter what. This world might very well bring us trouble. Jesus never promised that things would go smoothly in our lives when we follow him. And if we're truly modeling our lives after him, the world will resist us. However, Pastor Daniel reminds us in today's message that we need to serve others no matter what. This is Jesus' way of loving the people of the world. And it's the best way to reveal his truth and grace to those around us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Serve As You Go. quirky in its own way. The way that you were raised, the situations in your family life, the family dynamics, right? They're all kind of quirky in their own way. I think back to my own beautiful family that I grew up in, all Italian. We grew up in New Jersey, but the reason we grew up in New Jersey was because when my parents started having kids, they couldn't afford buying a house in Brooklyn or Valley Stream or Long Island in New York. And so they moved into New Jersey But we grew up as a very, very close Italian family. And so all the stereotypes that you either may have, or maybe you have an in-law who's all Italian, yeah, that's my family. And some of the family dynamics that we had when I was growing up, you didn't really think too much about it because it's the family that you grew up in. Like, so I grew up in the type of family where we all got together every Sunday night and all the men sat at the table Right? Or sat in front of the TV if the, one of the local New York sports teams was playing. And the women just buzzed around the kitchen. And then all of a sudden, food was served. And the guys were just still sitting there on their rumps. you know. And the wives did everything. And we used to joke that my Uncle Frank, who we used to call Uncle Cheech. Right? So Uncle Cheech, we used to joke that his wife, Auntie Anne, who, I mean, it's like these, they're characters, my family, right? So Uncle Cheech and Auntie Anne. And we used to joke that not only would Auntie Anne cut and prepare Uncle Cheech's food, but she would also chew it for him. You know what I mean? And it was super funny because like literally like my Uncle Frank or Uncle Cheech, you'd be like, Anne, Anne, the food's a little tough. And she'd be like, oh, just, I already chewed half of it. Just eat it anyway, you know? And that was kind of the way that I was raised. And it was like, you know, the men didn't lift a finger in the kitchen and they definitely didn't change a baby's diaper. I was raised like that. I didn't really think too much about these things until, of course, I got married. You know what I mean? Because it's just the way that you're raised and it's just who you are. You know, I remember one day when Lynn and I got married and Lynn's family dynamics were different than mine. And I remember I came home from work after we got married, after we had our honeymoon. I remember I came home one day, day of work, and I came home and Lynn looked at me and she said, so what shall we make for dinner? And I was like, excuse me? 
You know, it wasn't like I didn't know how to cook. I mean, I'm all Italian. So when I went to college, I became a vegetarian because I couldn't eat the food in the cafeteria. And I had to learn how to cook good food. But like, I just kind of expected, I went to work, I come home, the dinner's made. And I didn't expect her to chew my food for me, but there was an... I actually quite like that process personally, you know what I mean? But it's like, you don't really think about these things, right? It's like, it's just kind of the way that you were raised. Now, I share all that because... Each one of us was raised a certain way. We have a certain understanding about what life is meant to be and who we're supposed to be. And we learn a lot of that from our families of origin, whatever the dynamics are, good, bad, ugly, hysterical, whatever it is. But no matter what your family background is, no matter what your family of origin was like, when you encounter Jesus... Jesus wants to teach us a new way of living, a new way to be human. And what was amazing to me when I began to read the scriptures when I was in my last year of college was that the life that Jesus invites us into, no matter what your family of origin is, it's almost always different than what you expect. That the ways of Jesus, God's ways are different than what I grew up in. That there's a new way to live. And this series, Field Notes, is about that. It's about what is the notes on the journey of life that we can learn from Jesus and from one another. And so I've entitled this message, Serve As You Go. Because... Jesus teaches us that greatness in his kingdom comes from being a servant of other people. Choosing with your God-given authority to be a humble servant of the Most High God. And I'm here to tell you, when I first read the passage that I want to share with you today, it like stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, excuse me? Excuse, like seriously? Because you realize that and I had a great family. My, like, I'm not knocking my family. It's, I can joke about it, but the way that men and women, husbands and wives, dads and kids interacted in my family wasn't in line with the teachings of Jesus. And I didn't know it until Jesus said, I have a new way for you to be. And my prayer is as we study this text together, whatever your growing up context is or was, that you would allow the Holy Spirit through the word of God to lead you into a new way of being, that you would take the next step in the journey of faith that we have together in this field note series. So in order to do that, I want you to open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to take verses 20 to 28, Matthew 20 verses 20 to 28. Now, if you brought your Bible with you, I want you to pull that baby out. Matthew's gospel is the very first book of what we call the New Testament, that last third of your Bible that tells the story of Jesus. I want you to be able to read along with us. And if you're part of our online audience, I want to encourage you, open up another browser window so that you can follow along with this text. So you can see what does the word of God say? Because as we always say, we live in a world of copious amounts of information. But true wisdom is the right application of the right information. And God's word is the right information for us to learn how to live our lives. Look at what it says here. 
in Matthew chapter 20, picking up in verse 20, it says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him, speaking of Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said, we are able. And he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit at my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, in the Bible, scholars would call this a pericope. It's a fun word. It literally means this little section within the gospel accounts. It's a little self-contained unit, pericope. It's spelled like pericope. I used to call it pericope, and then someone who was smart said, no, no, it's pericope. So just learn, write that down. You're, impress your friends. If you're playing with words, friend, you roll out pericope, everyone be like, ooh, nice word. Where'd you learn that? Like, church. Anyway, that's a side note. You don't know what you're missing. You know, <laughs> this little self-contained unit gives us a very important field note for life, a very important field note. Look at what it says in verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something of him. And he said, what do you wish? And she said... You know, let's just stop there for a second. Look at this. Then. You see that first word there? Then. So after what happened previously, well, what happened previously? It tells us in Matthew 20, verses 17 to 19, that Jesus said this. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles and mock him, to scourge him, to crucify him, and the third day he will rise again. So Jesus just said, listen, we're going to Jerusalem and it's all going down. I'm gonna be condemned to death. They're gonna mock me. They're gonna scourge me. They're gonna crucify me. and I'm gonna rise from the grave. And then it says, and then. So Jesus just puts out there his mission of redemption. Jesus is going to Jerusalem because his hour has now come. It's time for Jesus to fulfill the rescue mission that God has for all of humanity before the foundations of the earth. Now's the time. The moment has come. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? So Zebedee's sons were James and John. So James and John's mom shows up and wants to... Now, doesn't that sound quite Italian? 
It's like, cause mom ain't messing around. You know what I mean? So when mama shows up, Jesus just said, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to mock me. They're going to scourge me. I'm going to be betrayed. The religious leaders are going to have me condemned to death. They're going to give me to the Romans. It's all going to be bad, but I'm going to rise again. And at that moment, James and John, mama coming up, kneels down and asks you something. And Jesus says, what do you wish? My friends, you know what this teaches us? You and I need to serve no matter what. We need to serve no matter what. Think about what Jesus just said. He said, it's time. We're going to Jerusalem, and everything about what he shared is bad. The religious leaders and the scribes are going to betray him. They're going to hand him over to the Roman authorities. They're going to mock him. They're going to scourge him. And scourging, that one little word, scourging, is the most horrific torture ever. Where literally they would take a cat of nine tails, they would call it. It was like a whip made of leather with bone and different materials in it. And when they would strike you, it would literally rip your back to shreds. Just your skin would become like minced meat. And then crucified, the most barbaric, slow, cruel and unusual form of punishment designed by the Romans to have the maximum impact on the psyche of the people of the Roman Empire, knowing that if you... Go against our wishes. This is how you end up. Not quick, slow, total public humiliation. Brutal. And then this woman comes up and wants to talk to him. And Jesus says, what do you wish? See, we don't think about service this way, do we? We think, I'm going to serve when it suits me. I'm going to serve when I'm ready. I'm going to serve when I'm built up enough that I can. Where Jesus just confessed to his disciples how bad it was going to be. And this woman shows on up and he says, what can I do for you? That's a field note for you. When push comes to shove, and by the end of this message, you'll see it. When push comes to shove, we are called to serve. We are called to be servants in this world. Servants of God. And we serve God by serving people. We love God by loving people. What do you wish? And her question, look what it says in the middle of verse 21. She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine might sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. See, this idea of sitting on the right hand or the left hand in Jesus' kingdom, it suggests a proximity to the king and to share in his prestige and his power. It's kind of like, you know, in our government, if you see the president's cabinet, the people who are normally right next to him, he does the State of the Union, are the people who are part of the government, like the vice president's on one side and whoever's on the other side. It's a position of prestige. Now, don't miss that James and John, along with the apostle Peter, were part of Jesus' inner circle, right? Out of the 12 apostles, Peter, James, and John found themselves in with Jesus at very unique moments, like on the Mount of Transfiguration or when Jesus wanted to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was going to be betrayed, he brought Peter, James, and John with them. So it's not like Mama's request was outlandish. But in some ways, you wonder if she's trying to cut Peter out of the equation a little bit. Like you only got one right hand and one left hand. So put James and John there so that my boys are right in the mix, right in the middle of where the power, where the action is happening. And Jesus 
amazingly says to her, you don't know what you ask. Verse 22, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said, we are able. Now, what I love about Jesus is Jesus says, I don't think you guys quite know what you're asking. He's like, you don't know what you're seeking right now. And then he asked them, are you able to drink of the cup that I'm about to drink? Now, for Jewish people, they knew that the cup was a symbol or had the imagery of judgment or retribution. All through the Bible, this thing comes up about the cup. Can I drink the cup, the cup of God's wrath? And so he's saying, are you able to, to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? He's speaking about what he had just talked about, this upcoming crucifixion. And they say to him, yeah, we're able. No, it's amazing. Jesus told him, you don't know what you're asking for. And they say, yeah, we can. And this is what you call presumption. Presumption is when you think you know what's going on, but you really don't know what's going on. Now, I don't know about you. The longer I walk with God, the longer I realize that I am quite presumptuous. That I think I know what God is up to. I think I know what God wants to do, but God's got a whole other plan. And when Jesus says something like, you don't know what you're asking, we should say, what am I asking this? If I don't know what I'm asking, will you tell me what I just did? And beauty, if you do that, God will talk to you about that. He'll explain it to you. But oftentimes, we just kind of run out ahead. And James and John aren't taking the time to figure out where they're wrong. Like, oh, yeah, sure. They don't even realize what they're getting themselves into. But look at what happens. Because from here in verse 23, it says, Jesus, and he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand, on my left hand, is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it was prepared by my father. Now, Jesus says to them, he's like, you know, you're right. You will drink my cup. And if you look at church history in your Bible, you find out that, of course, James He was the first martyr in the early church by Herod. The apostle John, he ended up being banished as an elderly man on the mining island of Patmos. He ended up receiving the revelation there, what we call the revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation there. It was, church history tells us that the apostle John was, they tried to martyr him by boiling him in hot oil, but he wouldn't boil So he's saying, yeah, you're going to experience some of that. And he's like, you are able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. Now, scholars kind of argue about what does he actually mean. Some people say, well, listen, Jesus is talking about what he's going to go through, the baptism of suffering for the forgiveness of people, and you are going to be able to experience that. And some people say it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can read in Acts chapter 2, and other people say, you know, so there's all different interpretations. So I don't want to just say this is what it actually means because I don't really know. As I always say, if I can't give you an honest biblical answer, I can say, look, it could mean all these things, and it maybe means all those things together, or maybe some other nuances, water baptism, it could mean all these different things. But what I think is interesting is what Jesus says after that. He says, okay, you can experience some of the things that I'm experiencing, but then he says, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it was prepared by my father. When it comes to serving as you go, you and I need to know 
our limits. And you need to know your limits. Know the limits of what God has entrusted to you. This is important because Jesus is saying to them, you can have some of these experiences, but to give you these positions of power and prestige in my kingdom, to sit on my right hand, my left, it's actually not mine to give, but it was prepared by my father. Now, the reason I bring this up is because for many of us, the struggle we have with serving other people is we don't know our limits. Like, you can't serve somebody so that they get saved. Because salvation is God's to give. It's not ours to give. You can't love someone to be a different person because our love is not designed to be transformational. At best, God will use the love that we give to somebody else. And it's God's goodness coming through us that will transform them. But what happens with service is we get this kind of, I have to do this, and if I do this, then this thing's going to happen. And we don't know our limits, and then we burn out, or we fry out, or we get insane, and we get mad at God because the things that we're doing trying to get something else is not having its impact. And I think for a lot of us, we struggle with this. And we serve in fits and starts. Like I know some gals who are married to men who are not following Jesus, and it breaks their heart because no matter what they do, they can't get their husband saved. They try aggravating them, nagging them. They try loving them and not saying a word. You can try everything that you know how to do to try and get this man from point A to point B. Right? And... It's hard because you're forgetting that there are limits to what God asks of us. You can't change him. It's like when someone is really, really sick. You can run it. You, you try everything, and that's what you try and do to try and heal someone, but no amount of human intervention can stop what God is doing or what God has ordained. So we have to know the limits in our service. We have to always remember what knobs are ours and on our side of the wall and what knobs are God's and on God's side of the wall. And this frees us up in serving because if we forget our limits, we think that everything is ours and we have to do this thing. But the Bible actually says we should serve, but we need to know the limits of what God has placed in front of us to do. See, Jesus is able to say to them, listen, to sit at my right and my left, it's not mine to give. It was for whom it was prepared by my father. He's saying, look, those positions are actually not mine to give out, but it's my father's. It's a beautiful thing here because we see Jesus in his humanity deriving his authority from his father. Now, that's a complicated discussion. I wish I had a sermon series on the Trinity and how this stuff all works. But in Jesus' humanity, there were things that he chose to limit his understanding of. You might say, well, how can Jesus not know that and be God? Because he's God and he can not know in his humanity what he doesn't want to know. And it's okay. Jesus is We've all been raised with differing perspectives on social roles, views on world matters, and even how we view God's kingdom. In today's message, Pastor Daniel shared that though we're raised differently, Jesus expects us to follow him in loving the world. This doesn't come through striving to be better than others. Rather, we're to follow in Jesus' footsteps, serving people, 
and loving them as Jesus demonstrated. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is that this year we launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. We would love to invite everyone to come and join Crossroads Southwest Portland on Sundays at 10 a.m. We're growing, and honestly, not just in Southwest Portland, but all over the country and the world as people join us at our online campus, 9, 11, and 1 p.m. or Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on our online campus, crossroadslive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share Jesus' secret for becoming great in the kingdom of God. Here's a hint, it doesn't involve being the richest or the most famous person in the world. Jesus reminds all of us that to be great in the kingdom, we need to be servants to those around us. We don't need to strive for the praise of others. Instead, we need to strive for the praise of our Heavenly Father. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Field Notes. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 